I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Watford Buzz podcast. Myself and Tom Bedell here today. Jordan was going to be joining us, but he's currently in the middle of a blizzard in Canada and he's got no internet. So, uh, sorry, no Jordan today. But uh, I think we'll be able to make do, won't we, Tom? We will make do. Like Watford without Ismail Asar. You won't get the end result that you're looking for. <laughs> but... You'll be entertained en route, hopefully. That is a very good analogy. And um, <laughs> it kind of kicks us off into the pod because, of course, Watford went into their last fixture without Ismail Yassar. And um, instead, they brought in quite a um, well, uh, quite an exciting lineup, really, in terms of what he could have gone for, Roy Hodgson. He, he chose yeah. the uh, the front three of Cucho Hernandez, uh, more about later, uh, Jao Pedro, um, because, of course, King was absent as well. And... Um, uh, who Emmanuel are, Dennis. Oh, and Emmanuel Dennis, of course. Yes. How can I forget Emmanuel Dennis? <laughs> I mean, it, it, I mean, on paper, I think a lot of people were sort of quite curious to see this. And particularly, many were happy to see Jao Pedro's name back in again. No, absolutely right. I mean, it's quite funny, actually, that Emmanuel Dennis was the one of the three that you, you struggled to name there, given he's the kind of ever-present yeah. in, the th- in the three. I, I was expecting a much more conservative front three. I don't know about you, given everything we know about and, and kind of expect of Roy Hodgson. Um, to take, you know, the, or be missing Saar and King and bring in two very kind of attack-minded players in, in Pedro and uh, Cucho was was a welcome surprise. And, and obviously Cucho kind of took his opportunity, I think, with the goal. I don't know what, I don't know what you think, and I'd been interested to hear what Jordan had to say about Pedro. I felt like he was, in moments, he was in the game and he was really good, quite useful. And then for long periods, he wasn't really in it. Um, but yeah, no, I was very surprised. I was fully expecting a kind of Ken Semmer uh, inclusion in there and, and maybe a bit more of a conservative front three. So it was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, it, it, it surprised me as well. I was expecting Ken Semmer to be starting. Um, not that I have anything against Ken, but I thought that, um, that the lineup that he went for with, with that front three in particular was exactly what you know the fans have been you know asking for, given the fact that, that Saar and, and King were going to be out. Oh yeah, absolutely. In the in the circumstances, I mean, obviously, Cucho scores a fantastic goal, and to be honest with you, he's probably quite good in a situation in a game like that where you don't expect to have much possession because he's you know he's going to work. He does. You got to give him credit where it's due. He does work off the ball. I think doesn't he? he was he will kind of hair around like a maniac and and put pressure on and close people down, and and he did that. Um, it was quite nice, I thought, to see Dennis through the middle. You know, we've obviously had a lot of discussions mm. 
about uh, Josh King's role in the team, and I would never kind of classify Dennis as an out-and-out centre-forward, but it was interesting to see him there, if nothing else. And also Pedro showed in a few moments as well. You, you know, he's kind of, I think we all can see it's there, but his kind of fairly evident quality, um, yeah, you know, made a couple of opportunities and what have you. So as the three, it was interesting. And I think this about all our kind of attackers, I think they can all play in various roles, and, and that is... The kind of maybe the strength of them that you can you can move them around in games and you know they can drift around and do different things and pull people out of position and catch people out and whatnot. Um, but you know it's uh, a kind of there has to be some criticism as well, I suppose, in the sense that we did create chances and Arsenal looked fragile in in mm. certain moments. Mm. Um, you know, it wasn't like we didn't have the opportunities to get more out of the game and 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 Emmanuel Dennis in particular missed. Yes. You know, a couple of really presentable opportunities, didn't he? Did. he? Which he did. I suspect Emmanuel Dennis earlier in the season would have put away and we might have been talking about a really, really good win for us. Yeah, you're right. That, I mean, individually, Dennis maybe didn't have his best game, but uh, as a front three, they they worked together quite well and it would be exciting to, to see that again in some form. So Joe Pedro was uh, playing on the left, right? But it, it was a bit more fluid than that, though, wasn't he? He wasn't just sort of sticking on that side. No, he was uh, he was on the left. He had Cooch on the right with Jao Pedro. I'd, I'd be interested to see what you think. The overarching thing for me is I still don't quite know what his best position is. And I was watching match today. I said said to you just before I was watching match today two this evening, and um, Troy Deeney said on there about him uh, Pedro playing out of position, and I thought that was interesting because. Well, that kind of implies he has a set position. Obviously, last season when Dini was around, he he spent most of the season playing um, play, playing kind of through the centre, didn't he? In a two at times, even with Ismail Assar. So, yeah, I'm still not kind of sure. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he ultimately developed into a more of a central forward. I think now probably he is more of a wide forward than a central forward, but... But it, as I say, it was quite it was quite fluid at times. And obviously, Kucha was the one that popped up in the middle for the goal, and he popped up in the middle quite a few times. Dennis, I think you know naturally you're so you're kind of used to him being the one on the right, aren't you? And it was obviously out there that he had a couple of opportunities, kind of driving into the box. I think there's a few ways of looking at that. One, you can say you know it's it's obviously good they can pull people out of position and, and play in different roles and make space for one another. Another way of looking at it is to say none of them have really quite nailed down a single position as being their own within the team apart from Dennis who I think kind of has made that right wing slot his own this season um and and the fact that we're in you know March now which seems incredible to say the fact that that is the case probably speaks volumes for the fact that as a team we just haven't clicked fully at any point this season um and and that is probably why we're in the the predicament we're in unfortunately he seems like he's got the build for a wide forward at the, at the moment I, I just I'm not sure if he's I mean, I know he has worked on his strength, but he still, for me, seems like he maybe isn't quite strong enough for the for the mm. number nine role. Although I am directly comparing him to Deeney now in my head, and you know, very few people come close to being as, as strong as as, as strong as yeah, Charlie. But it. um, there's a bit of a non-contest. Yeah. yeah no, I um, and and this is the thing when you can't clearly say he is this or he is that, it's very hard to crowbar him into the team despite his talent. So. Um, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a conundrum. Mm, yeah. If we look at the rest of the team, let's pop into, um, well, let's go, let's go work, work from the front backwards as we've started that way. Let's go into midfield. Now, there was a few more problems, issues, hmm. um, disappointments in, in that area of the pitch than there were 
up front, I felt, and I think the crowd probably agreed with me. But one thing that uh, it seemed as though everyone was on the same page about was that Imran Luzer had a, a very decent game up until the point when he was substituted. Yeah, let's tackle the Imran loser debate. Should we go with that one um, first? Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we were that. both inside the stadium and we both heard an audible groan from uh, from everybody around uh, around Vic Fridro when he was uh, substituted. We'll talk yeah. a bit about that decision from Roy, but let's talk about Imran loser and how his game was to start off with and then we can go more into the management decisions later on. Yeah, he. I don't know if it was his best game necessarily. Oh, okay. Interesting. I, I don't think he was bad. I don't think he was bad. He, we, you know, he obviously had some culpability in the third goal. In there it was a, you know, pretty sort of blind pass that he miscued, and and it leads to the throw on. And you know, it's not it's not his fault in isolation. Um, you know, there was there was several things to break down within that. But you know, he he has he has to bear some culpability um, in that. But. I certainly don't think it was his worst game either. I think um, the 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 thing with him is he's become, and I've said this before, he's become almost like saintly at this stage. You know, people are so keen keen on him and so keen to see him play that it's become he he has become a divisive kind of subject. Um, mm. And I think uh, you know, I, I would say objectively, he wasn't the worst midfielder. For Watford yesterday, I think you know Tom Cleverley did not have a good game. Um, even if you were were to ignore his part in the the opener, so yeah, when it came when it came round to the the substitution, there was obviously a lot of surprise and confusion. But I almost think it was indicative of people's frustration at Roy Hodgson at this stage, and some of the things he said and some of the things he's done in his very short time at the club. Um, that you know he sort of deigned to 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 sacrifice our boy, uh, and and that you know people would on the face of it and gone, well, if you're going to take a central midfielder off, take Tom Cleverly off. He's been terrible, you know. Where and I, as I said, I don't think Loser had his best game necessarily in terms of you know kind of ball usage. He was not actually particularly um, progressive. With with the ball yesterday, he wasn't among the kind of top use um, players that kind of passed the ball forward more than anyone else. In fact, he uh, he completed fewer forward passes um, than uh, than Edo Kaembe in the short time that he was on the or relatively short time that he was on the field. That's and a good you know that is, That's a good which stat, is that surprised me. Yeah, not by much, I would, I would like to point out. Uh loser completed one forward pass according to the the, the data source. I'm using Kayembe completed three. And I'm not you know I'm not saying that's the only thing, but that is kind of the the big thing I think that you would say loser brings, isn't it, most of the time. He is quite a progressive front foot passer. Um so when he's when he's not doing that, it's um you know, it's easier to knock him a bit. Um, but, you know, I didn't, I didn't think he, you know, I certainly didn't think he had a stinker out there. I just, it was, you know, not as good as some of his other games. So I think, as I say, I think that's become waffling a bit here, but I do think that's be- it's become a, you know, a kind of stick to beat Roy Hodgson with because he's become so popular in such a short space of time. Roy Hodgson, I'm sure we'll get onto this as kind of, um, you know, rubbed Watford fans up the wrong way. The fact that he was the one that was sacrificed. And I think also as well, by the way, you know, the, we as football fans, we want to see changes if we're not winning, 
and it took until the 60 something minute, I think, to knit for the first sub. So, you know, when it, and then when it was Imran loser as well, that really set people off, I think, to knit. And I've, I've never seen anything like it. You, you know, we've all been at games where you get the kind of, you don't know what you're doing and, and people applaud the, the player going off more vociferously than they might normally because they don't think he deserves to be substituted. But, it was yeah, it was something else like I've never seen before yesterday, and and the fact that he he tried to do the good thing for the team and and trot off in front of the in front of the Graham Taylor stand, um, and then had to walk sort of you know halfway around the pitch to to get back to the dugout just kind of heightened that um, that sense of injustice, didn't it? And mm. the, the 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 outward pouring of appreciation for him. So yeah, it was. Um, I just, I just think, you know, if he didn't, he's kind of Roy Hodgson has kind of shot himself in the foot a little bit, perhaps with some of the things he said and some of the things he's done. And very quickly, I think he has lost a large chunk of the sort of Watford supporting fan base that I follow, certainly on Twitter. Okay, then, Tom. So, um, Uncle Roy, not a popular uncle at the moment. He's <laughs> not, <it's> not particularly. <laughs> he's really seemed to have rubbed up. The, the Watford fans the wrong way quite quickly mm. into his tenure and yeah we, we mentioned on the last show that we um uh that he kind of had that interchange with with Jeff Doyle the um it's the uh, the head of the sport at BBC Three Counties who um mm. who basically uh he got kind of a, a very kind of stiff rebuke from from Roy mm. uh suggesting that Roy doesn't need to apologize for for the poor performances, yeah, fair, fair enough, okay. But um, he uh, he's kind of continued to 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 I don't know, yeah. do a he, bit of he's, fan bashing I don't, <laughs> in a weird way. Put it this way: you can tell he's a, a, an experienced manager who's pretty sure of himself. That's essentially doing the club a favour. Has come out of retirement, doesn't need this job, doesn't need anything from this job, and knows absolutely full well that he's going to be uh, retired again in 12 games, uh, sorry, 11 games time. Yeah. You, because, the, the, you know, his PR and and, and whatnot is, 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 is in public relations has not been, PR and public relations being the same thing, um, has not been great, has it? Um, he's pretty much just said what the heck he likes. And, um, you know, on one hand, you kind of say, well, fair play to him. You know, we, we don't, as supporters, we don't want to be mollycoddled and sort of treated like idiots. But on the other hand, we sort of want to be pandered to and and, and hear the right things. And I think he's just mm. gone, been his his authentic self. We've certainly seen this previously with Roy Hodgson in the Premier League, haven't we? There was the, the interview when he was, I think it was when he was Fulham manager, and he, he chipped off about um, there's some question wasn't there. And he said, well, like, well, I think, you know, let's not take the piss, shall we? Oh, yes, um, yes. I remember. Um, that, yeah. And if you watch the long clip of that, you know, he agrees to redo the interview. The reporter couches the question, same question, but couches it slightly differently to kind of go along with Roy Hodgson's uh, narrative. And Roy Hodgson goes, no, I don't want to talk about that. So, you know, you've, <laughs> you've seen him be a bit of a burke previously. And, and to be honest with you, I think he's, you know, probably more in his, uh, in this situation that he's in, he feels kind of free and empowered to just say what he really thinks rather than kind of playing the game. But I do think... At the same time, you need um, you need the supporters with you on some level, and he is you know maybe not lost the supporter base at this stage, but he's gone some way down the road to alienating a large chunk of people who 
let's face it at this stage i think we're we were, we're all fairly accepting and all fairly at peace with the fact that we're probably going to go down um so there's nothing to be lost by getting rid of the manager at this stage either but you know he, he can call it a position of strength in that he's uh you know he, he doesn't need this job by the same token I almost feel like we don't need him you know it might as well be harry the hornet in the dugout at the moment it's not it's not going to change a lot is it you know or or manage the team by Twitter poll consensus because I just I just don't think there's much chance of us staying up if any. Um, so yeah, it's it's funny. I'm 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 surprised he's so continually kind of baring his teeth because there has been a few instances, hasn't there? As you say, there was the the Jeff Doyle thing. He had a little bit of a go at Adam Leventhal. He's had yes, a bit of did, a moan. Yeah. Yeah. A bit of a moan about something else, if I remember rightly. And then yesterday, kind of saying, you know, I don't fully. You know, I don't always trust the fans' judgment, and you know, obviously, you know, he there's nothing we can tell him about football uh, management and so on. But there is also an element of um, just remembering who pays to come and watch your team, and yes. and, yeah. and so on, and just you know, show a bit of kind of bit of kind of respect, I think, to supporters. And you don't have to say, don't have to take our uh, advice on who to bring on and bring off and how to set the team up, but. Um, it probably doesn't hurt to show sort of due respect to supporters either. So, yeah, it's a bit of an uncomfortable kind of marriage at the moment, I think, isn't it? It's, it's the nicest thing you can say. Mm. After the game, he was asked about that uh, substitution. Um, mm. And he said that um, the fans will always have their favourites. Um, and he kind of uh, alluded to the fact that that we were wrong, basically, in um, yeah. <laughs> in in uh, well, we didn't boo. We kind of just uh, kind of uh, jeered disappointingly at the decision, didn't we? And and uh, I, you know, I've got to be honest, I, I kind of maybe I got carried away by, by also joining <laughs> in as well. Uh, and and given the stats you've, you've quoted at me, Tom, maybe I was I was wrong to do so. But um, it, it felt to a lot of people that it was the wrong decision. Um, but Roy very clearly saying. <laughs> That, that, you know, it it wasn't. That, that, that's his biggest anyway. Yeah, I mean, he gave his rationale, didn't he, about you know being tired and and whatnot. And he said, he said Kiembe is the same player as as him. I mean, I don't agree mm, with that. Don't agree with that at all. No, agreed. It, it loses much more progressive, and um, Kiembe is much much safer in possession. Is you know keeps the ball ticking over nicely, but he's very sort of backwards and. Uh, backwards and sideways, you know. Whereas loser, as we said, you know, does get the ball forward. He's got a bit more vision and creativity about him from deep. Um, I think the thing for me was, or the sense I got was that most people were looking at that and going, you know, as I said earlier, if you're taking off a centre mid, why aren't you taking off cleverly? You know, mm. he he has objectively been much the worst midfielder of the three. Um, if it's a case of changing centre. And I think this is the thing, sometimes people look at it in terms of what's the positional change. You know, you want to see, you want to basically see another attacker come on, don't you, if you're trailing in a game. And as we saw against Brighton, that doesn't always work because then you kind of seed some control. So when people saw that he's he's swapping a central midfielder for a central midfielder, you're thinking, well, that by rights should be Tom Cleverley rather than Imran Loser. So... Mm. Another manager might have got the benefit of the doubt, but I think because there's already a little bit of history now around losers' involvement, it it became a bigger issue. It's become a bigger issue than it ever needed to be, really and truly. Did Tom Cleverley have a bad game overall, or, or or was it just a couple of moments when he made mistakes, or was he was he bad throughout, Tom? 
I, I, I didn't think he was very good throughout. I thought he was just a bit, I don't know, he just always felt like he was a bit late to the party. He wasn't, you know, he wasn't decisive enough, didn't show enough conviction. Um, you know, I think we all know with Tom Cleverley, he's not necessarily the best user of the ball. His kind of strengths lie in his work rate and, and pressing and so on and so forth. But it just felt like, you know, we 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 were sloppy in possession at quite a few times, even aside from the goals we have been all season, really. And, um, you know, he was one of the culprits in that. In, in actual fact, among Watford players, he was one of the ones that, completed kind of more passes than than uh the most but i think he was the only player outside the back four or she was the first player that wasn't a member of the back four to come bloody hell he was the highest ranking player watford player for passes completed that wasn't a member of the back four is what i'm trying to say right um but you know obviously if you were to look at where those passes were i suspect they were all very sort of much of a muchness backwards and sideways, he yeah he wasn't he wasn't great. I didn't I didn't think the the big mistake he made was that uh, you know he kind of felt as though he had time in possession and he he got seized yes. upon basically by Saka who stole the ball off him and then you know they asked to end up scoring from that movement. That's it, and that's a very careless mistake for someone of his experience to make, isn't it? That's you know the sort of mistake you'd expect to someone that's new to the Premier League and gets kind of caught out by the pace of it all. Um, so to to get done like that was a bit a bit naive. And he's you know the one thing you say about him is he's not naive. He's been around the block, he's been there, done that, got the t shirt. But that was just you know that was really silly, mind you. And obviously we can't hear because there's a packed Vicar Road. But did did someone help him out? Did someone give it, give him the shout or what? Because it was um, behind him and, and other players had the benefit of being able to see the situation unfold, but it was, you know, it was all over in a flash. And, yeah. and to be honest, that was one of the things about Arsenal. I thought, you know, in the in all three of the goals, really, like their movement and the speed at which they moved the ball and zipped the ball around was was much, much quicker and, and more decisive than, than Watford. And, Very and, pretty, wasn't it? Yeah, that's it. You know, the, this... I didn't really appreciate it necessarily at the time because my eyesight's terrible and I was towards the back of the rookery. <laughs> but, um, you know, certainly the the kind of little interchange of play for the Martinelli goal was lovely. The interchange of play down uh, the left our left-hand side for the opener was, was really quite nice as well. So, you know, I thought there was a clear difference between us and them um, and, and cleverly getting caught like that really compounded it. He's still a fan's favourite, though, isn't he, Tom? And he, you know, I mean, it, it's it's hurting the fans actually seeing him slowly decline because uh, yeah, you know, they want him is. to do well. Yeah, no, he def- he is, and certainly is for me. Like I wrote, I remember when he rejoined on loan. I wrote a piece about it for what was Football Whispers at the time, saying, you know, this is a this is a good signing in more than one sense because. He gives a time when we're feeling quite, you know, it's the Matsari season, we're feeling kind of disillusioned and disconnected from the team, as we are now. He is someone that gives you that connection and that uh, reminder of happier times when you felt more connected with the team. And, you know, it was, it was um, in that res- in that respect, it was a masterstroke of a signing to bring him back. And he's had a lot of good games, but I just think, you know, he's he's one of those players you could probably get away with carrying if we're a stronger team on the whole, the the fact is we don't, and 
you know, he is a very obvious target for that kind of criticism. And yeah, I think it it's a shame really because he's given the club a hell of a lot down the years over two spells. Um, and he still has his uses, you know, as we've, we've said on this pod before, you know, the job he does out of possession, you know, he's probably the best player at it in, in the in the squads going out there uh, and just working, absolutely running himself into the ground. As Ben Foster always says, just ratting around, just doing the, the mm. really kind of unglamorous stuff. And, you know, he has his use in that sense, but you need players around him that are going to make up for his deficiencies at the same time, don't you? And I just don't think we... We do so that really, you know, throws up in lights his 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 shortcomings. So, if in your words, Imran Loser wasn't the worst midfielder in the pack uh, <laughs> yesterday, and Tom Cleverley was, does that make Musa Sissoko in the middle or at the top? Yeah, where, where, where does he go? I guess, I guess it probably probably does put him in the middle, in doesn't the middle. it? I, I thought I thought Musa Sissoko had quite a good game actually. Maybe he was the better one of the best of the three. I, I think the thing you saw yesterday on more than one occasion with him and this is one of his real strengths, is his ability to progress the ball very quickly. So um, it happened in the first half, and it also happened in the second half, where he just basically got the ball, got his head down, just charged, and just got us kind of 30 or 40 yards up the field in a few seconds because he's such a strong and powerful runner. Um, and, and, you know, it really opens things up. He gets defenders running towards their own goal. They, you know, get them liable to make mistakes in those situations um he's another one where when he actually gets on the ball it's a bit oh you know it's a bit iffy he's he's prone to a careless pass or or doing something a bit silly but yeah I thought yeah I thought he had a fairly fairly decent game and obviously took his goal well but even you know even when you look at that he uh in slow motion it sort of bounces off his knee bounces off his shin and and he kind of bamboozles Ben White by the fact that I think he didn't quite know what he was doing with it um, and and stuck it away. But I think you've got two thirds of a decent midfield there. And certainly for next season, if we're in the championship in the, so far as loser is a good, um, you know, someone to sit at the base and kind of spray the ball around and what have you. Sissoko is, is the legs. I think if you could get, get somebody else in there who uh, is. Tom Delibashiri. Perhaps. I'd be honest with you, mate. I've not. I've only seen Tom Deli Bashiru kick a ball for Watford about once, and that was about three <laughs> years ago. So I can't remember what he does. Um, in all seriousness, no, but someone fine. in there is someone in there who maybe can almost go uh, go both ways and and kind of. Zinchenko. Yeah, maybe maybe someone like that. You know, he's got a bit of creativity. He can dribble. And what have you can get more, you know, can get can do the kind of getting forward of Sissoko, but with the kind of more creativity as well. Um, then I think you've got, you know, you've got a decent kind of balanced midfield in there, but um, it's just not good enough for the Premier League, is it? Basically. Mm. Okay then. Um, well, I will mention though. Uh, I was pleased to see uh, Sissoko get an, get a goal because, um, you know, he. He's been trying uh, of late, hasn't he, from, from sort of outside the box. And uh, clearly the best place for Sissoko to score is is well, <laughs> is well inside. As close to the goal as humanly possible. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So it was nice for him to, to get out. And, and it kind of um, set up a nervy, was it, was it last 10 minutes in the end with the added on time? Yeah, so. with added time it was. It was funny really, wasn't it? They were, they were quite comfortable, I thought, for long kind of period of the second half at, 
two one and then three one and and certainly um felt like they you know probably didn't have to get out of third gear but then we kind of got the goal and suddenly we set the cat among the pigeons a little bit didn't we Jao Pedro you know looked like from where I was in the rookery it looked like a stone wall penalty at the time and it on on reflection and on the replay with the reverse angle it wasn't um I think was it Erdegaard got a touch got a touch on the ball basically and it was on the edge of the box anyway if not outside so but we you know suddenly they were kind of they were up against it a little bit, weren't they? Um, old uh, Aaron Ramsdale fluffed the, fluffed his lines on one. They were, you know, and they were kind of using every trick in the book to get the um, to get the to get the result in the bag. Oh, so the time wasting was unbelievable. The time, wa- I mean, you know, we we can't complain. We've got Ben Foster, but the <laughs> um, the the Kieran Tierney one where it was Kucha, wasn't it? Was it Kucha? Was it Kuch- Yeah, I think it was Kucha. Right? Yeah, chips it into his hands. And then he, um, and then he bloody, you know, oh, ah, oh, what a shame! I've miscontrolled that. Sorry, mate. And then he, and then say passes it into his kind of midriff, and he falls over like an absolute sack of spuds. <laughs> I mean, I didn't expect that, Kieran Tierney. I must admit, but you know, fair play. You, you just do anything in those circumstances, don't you? And I think it was it disrupted us enough and got in our heads enough that it just kind of helped them see out the win and. Uh, you know, the frustrating thing is that Arsenal side of, you know, they've proven themselves to be flaky at the times this season. I think they look fragile, they look vulnerable at times, but, you know, a better side would have punished them. A better, mm. You know, not even a good side necessarily, but just someone better than us would have punished them. Okay, moving into defence, um, Kafka and Samir, they, um, I think they're putting sort of like a 7 out of 10 every game pretty much. You know, not, you know, like, you know, the best centre-backs in the world, but they're not um, doing much wrong, really. Samir was a little bit culpable, I think, on the first goal, wasn't he? In so far as the he got tight, didn't he, to Erdegaard, and then Erdegaard span him, and he didn't really get close after that. It was, you know, sort of oh, beaten okay. complete, Fair completely, and it, it was him that finished off. But I didn't think he had a bad game. You know, I don't think we defensively again had a particularly bad game. We've come away and conceded three goals, but essentially because we've gifted them. Um, you know, look at uh, there's the obviously various models and whatnot have got different numbers, but on the balance of expected on on the balance of the expected goals, um, a lot of them have got us either equalish or, or slightly ahead. Um, the thing to note with this, and I saw Lou Orms tweeting it, is that obviously uh, the the state of the game or game state is is relevant here in that. Um, one of those good chances came at three uh, three one down basically which was the 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 Sissoko goal um you know we 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 went for a long period without creating an awful lot it was only kind of right towards the end that we had a couple of of presentable chances by which point the game's gone but you know for for a, for a fair period we were we were we were well with within grasp and it felt like it was us that were creating the chances so mm. Yeah, you know, we we I think we were talking. I can't remember if this was off air or right at the beginning. We were talking about the, the defensive side of things and how Roy Hodgson's done in that regard since he's come in. I think you can say we have improved. We don't look like we're going to get cut open every time the opponent gets in our half anymore. No, but we're still conceding goals, and yeah. you know, we make we make it easy for teams in in isolated moments, and when we're not scoring either, it's it's a pretty a pretty surefire recipe to defeat. One of the biggest 
things about Sunday was that every goal that Arsenal scored was down to a a mistake, an error, an unforced error from us, really. Yeah, exactly. That's it, exactly. You know, the first one's to say Samir gets sucked in and then Erdegaard runs into the space behind, runs off him and runs into the space in behind. The second one, obviously, cleverly. The third one... Kamara, I think, really, was at fault for that yeah, one, Yeah, exactly. I think that's... I think, you know, I said, obviously, loser, it's a lax pass, but I think it's Kamara that's more at fault there because he gets... Is that you know, a position? Po- Actually, I thought like Kamara position. had, a, had a, a quite a bad game by his standards that he's set so far. Uh, def- yeah, it definitely wasn't his best game. While we're talking about the defensive line, it definitely wasn't his best game. Um yeah, he just showed a little bit of kind of, you know, not naivety because he experienced player, but just, you know, carelessness kind of just got pulled into the, the stupidity there, didn't he? Trying to put get hands on, uh, was it Bakayo Saka who took the throw and then goes from there and scores and we're out of position and it's it's too easy for them. Um, Am I right saying he- that Almunia ran down sort of like the, the touchline uh, and, and threw the ball back to Arsenal so they could take the throw quickly. But he was out of his... Um, You're almost right. He was out of his area, was he? Or was, was You're it? almost right. You said Almunia rather than Arteta. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that, exactly. That's exactly what happened. Um, so not for, not for the first time this season, there's kind of throw-on controversy in Arsenal-Watford. It's one of those things where if it happens... Do you know what? If it happens, I can't get hit up about it. If it happens for you, if we did that, we'd be going brilliant and it's gone against us. And so we, everyone's kind of pissed off that, you know, the kind of perceived big club bias. Mm-hmm. It's just generally kind of sloppy officiating. And, uh, you know, Arteta was out of his box all day, but, you know, we've had managers that spend their entire time outside the technical area in the past, haven't we? It's just, it's a bugger when it happens against you. But I do think over the, kind of course of history it probably goes against you as often as it goes for you but it's particularly galling because we had the the, the fiasco at the Emirates earlier in the season anyway didn't we so mm. yeah I, I just could have done with it if if that gets chalked off then maybe we take a point you know but yeah ifs and buts and yeah candy and nuts and all those uh, exactly couldn't think of the rest yeah. of the phrase yeah I don't know the end of it. If 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 it's if 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 it's and butts were candy and nuts, and then I don't know the rest of the phrase. I've never heard, I've never heard anyone complete that phrase. No. What is what is the ending? I don't know. Anyway, on it's... the other side of the defence, um, I think for many, um, you know, had a very decent game, or at least it seemed that way from where I was. Sitting. Yeah, interesting, and I wonder and. I wonder if this was almost the case of Ismail Assar not being there. So he had kind of more license than, than ordinary to get forwards because he's obviously in the championship. We saw there, you know, the kind of the link up play between those guys and getting forward and the overlapping runs of, of, of Femenia were, were devastating at times. He's obviously not done the same in the Premier League. That's to be expected to an extent because, you know, it's he a didn't do it last time, so did he? On. <laughs> that he didn't do it last time, exactly. But yesterday, I thought you know there were a few occasions, and obviously it was his cross for the, excuse me, it was his cross for the for the goal for Cucho, which, on one hand, you could say is a perfect cross because he smashes it in. On the other hand, you have to say it's not a perfect cross because it was behind him, so he had to go for the scissor kick. But anyway, the cross ends up in an assist, so fair play. And I think we've seen Kiko, you know, his delivery is good on the whole. Um, but even in that, if you watch it again, it's I think it's Sissoko, isn't it? Who, holds it up and then he loads it off to Dennis 
And then about half an hour later, Kiko got, sort of pops up and goes, all right, bloody hell then, if I have to cross it in, I will. And he's just, you know, I think it's kind of almost been beaten out of him at this stage that he hasn't got the license to get forward as much as um, as, as much as he did last season. But it was interesting because I do, you know, he is one of the quicker players at the club. He, and he was a winger and his delivery is decent. So it would be good to see him do to, to do more of that. But yeah, no, I thought I thought he had a good game and I, I, it can't be in my mind, coincidence that um, that that was the case on the day that Ismail Assar was missing. Mm. Cool. So on, on the whole, Tom, it it was quite a fun game to be at. And it sounds weird saying that after a defeat. Because, and I am disappointed. But I think after what we've seen, especially at home recently, um, it was nice to see, uh, you know, a couple of goals, uh, some creativity, a bitter fight. Ultimately, it wasn't enough. It seems as though Watford tend to do that. Um, and may- maybe this is just me talking here because I-, I don't know if I've got anything to back this up. But it just seems as though <laughs> we, we, for, we, for some reason, and I'm going to cite Chelsea here and also Spurs, we, we seem to, I don't know, give our best against some of the tougher sides on paper. Um, and yet when it comes up against the likes of, uh, you know, Norwich and, and, and Co, somehow, sometimes we, we end up, playing within ourselves or lacklustre or something. Mm. But is, do you, do you, it's you, funny. Yeah. No, I know what you mean. I, and I thought, to be honest with you, I thought this straight from kickoff, even I know this, this sounds like being wise after the event, right? Because we scored after 19 <laughs> seconds or whatever it was. But even the fact that yesterday, normally you go back to one of the centre-halves, like hook it down the line and try and, you know, try and get a bit of territory um, and, and force a throw or whatever. Down the, down the flank, usually down the left-hand flank when we're at home. Um, but yesterday, I don't know if it was intentional or it was just the way it kind of shook out, but they passed it around themselves. They went up the line and they scored. And all right, it was ruled out for offside, so it was meaningless in the end. But it just felt like from that moment, it was like, bloody hell, you know, like there's a bit more intent. And even, to be honest, from there on out, uh, you know, we were, we were snapping into tackles. We were much more on the front foot. You know, we weren't just sort of sat back in our in our defensive shape, inviting them on and saying, come on then, let's come and break us down. Um, you know, which we have done this season. And certainly, I think the Brighton game was the, probably the nadir of that, wasn't it? Where it felt like we didn't get in there half for about 45 minutes um, and, and, and didn't touch the ball for about the first 10 minutes. And you think Brighton are also in a good season, a good team, well coached, etc. We'd like to keep the ball. We know all these things. But they are still Brighton and Hove Albion. There's still a limit to their quality. And, and the deferential way that we've set up against them and other teams uh, since Roy Hodgson came in came in, has been a bit of a, as, of a sore point, I think, hasn't it? But the same would probably be said under Claudio Ranieri as well. Mm. Um, the games where you kind of think that is what you might expect, we've gone the other way. And, you know, obviously Chelsea is the... Is the what is the kind of is the line in the sand that we all kind of point to, isn't it? But you know how high they pressed and how intently they pressed in that game, even against Man City, to an extent. You know, yeah. we, we went toe to toe with them. We didn't just sit, you know, camp on the edge of our six-yard box and and kind of pray to any uh, divine being that we weren't going to get a humping. Um, and it was the same against Arsenal yesterday. You know, they tried to have a go at it. And I just think, you know, as supporters, it's, it's quite it's quite simplistic to say and reductive to say. But I do just think, you know, we, we all expect to go down at this point. We're all fairly at peace with it, I think. There'll be anger at the end of the season, but I think we're all fairly at peace with that being our fate ultimately now. 
but we'd rather see him go down swinging, you know, and and yeah, maybe take a few beatings, but have some, make some memories and score some goals and get some wins on on the way. Because you know, we were chatting before we came online, before we came on air. I was saying I've not been to every home game this season by a long stretch, but I was saying prior to the the game yesterday, I couldn't remember the last home game where I saw a goal for a Watford goal. Sorry, I saw plenty of goals, but can't remember the last time I saw a home a Watford goal at home. Mm. You know, which is bloody ridiculous. So. And I'd worked out in the end it was um, it was Chelsea in, in December. So, you know, I just think, you know, have a go and get on the front foot and you'll at least win some friends. And, and to be honest with you, you know, get the crowd behind you and you just never know what might happen. You might pick up some results. So, yeah, I just thought that was noticeable. And I'd love to know why that is. You know, is it that we see these games as a as a free hit? Is it that yeah. we... Uh, the spotlight effects kind of, might be possible yeah no absolutely you know, players, no, know absolutely. That when, players know that when they're going to be uh playing one of the big sides that there's a chance to you know people there'll be, there'll be more eyes on them if they do something good that's going to definitely be one for their highlights i mean they, these are things that they definitely do think about right i mean i would be thinking about it if i was a player absolutely there was certainly in his first season when he was here etienne Caput, there's a bit of a kind of theory that he always you know, showed up for the big games on Sky and, you know, put in a performance because, you know, it was an opportunity to showcase what he could do. Um, I, I wonder as well if it's it's almost a bit of a case of, um, you know, we're not expected to do that. It's not in the opposition's thinking that we're going to do that. So let's kind of catch them out. I don't know. There's probably, it's probably no single factor either. It's probably, it's probably no, a lot of things that, that come come together. But yeah, I just, you know, I'm sure I speak for a lot of fans myself. I'd just like to see more of it, basically. So how about the rest of the season then, Tom? We've uh, <laughs> got Wolves coming up on Thursday. I mean, I, I, I guess because Sar's going to be out for a month now, we're thinking it's going to be quite a similar lineup to what we saw on Sunday. Yeah, I, th- I think so. I would be surprised if he's making changes. And to be honest with you, I was saying this to someone else earlier today, or, or yesterday off the game, you know, people getting kind of uh, antsy about Hodgson not making substitutions, not making substitutions sooner. Really, look at that bench yesterday, you know, with Saar uh, unavailable. There's not, and, and uh, Josh King as well. There's not a lot he can bring on, isn't there? You know, finally got to see a little bit of Samuel Kalou. Um, yeah, who had, um, I think, quite fun, wasn't he? Five yeah. or ten minutes to Yeah, uh, sort of eight minutes, stuff. didn't he? Yeah. Did 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 one sort of nice outside the pass, outside the foot pass that was a bit over here, added a very speculative shot, um, did a couple of little dribbles up the line, didn't he? He looked yeah, he looked fun if nothing else. So yeah, I don't I don't anticipate any changes unless unless Josh King is suddenly back. But but honestly the the kind of you know, we talked about him to death, I think, haven't we? I would I'd be quite happy for him to take a, a week out of the firing line and 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 just have a go for it, but you know, wolves are a funny team. We've not um, we've not won there particularly regularly in in history. We lost um, we lost there the season we went down very very early on. I think possibly still under Javi Gracia at that point. Um, season before that, we won there, but you know, typically we've not we've not. It's not been a particularly happy hunting ground for us in in history. But they, you know, having just threatened to get a little bit of a hit of steam up, they've they lost to Palace at the weekend, didn't they? Which was not a, not a great result for them. And, and you know, they aren't regular scorers. So if we can nick something, you never know. Um, and by you never know, I mean you never know if we get a result. I still think we're going down, just for clarity. 
And um, we are playing better on the road this season. Yes, that's true. We are good grief. I'm just I've got Spurs Everton on in the background, and Spurs in have scored twice in the first nine minutes of the second half. They're five 0 up. Goals as you get them. Goals well, as they go in. That is fantastic news because we want Everton is, to uh, not be getting any more points. I'll tell you what. If we've got if we... any chance this season of staying up, it hinges on Everton continually to be an absolute mess. And honestly, even if we go down, wouldn't you just love to see them go down? That, that is bloody... also the factor that nobody talks about. Everyone talks about how we need to improve. Well, technically, if everyone else plays really badly, we don't really <laughs> need to improve. We just need to be average and, and we might still get out of it on the basis that everyone else is rubbish. So, you know, <laughs> come on Everton and Leeds. Keep losing, please. And uh... I mean, we are still going to have to pick up some points, but... As we were discussing, uh, per our um, predictions with Jordan, we are already ahead on what we had predicted as a group um, for this for this stage. So, you know, yeah, if we, okay. If we... uh, well, remind everyone what we did and and where we are with that. Then, yes, of course, I have it open because I'm an ultra professional. So we'd we'd got Villa as a universally as a defeat. We won, so mm-hmm. good start to the predictions. We'd got Palace. Um, Two of us said draw. You said win because you're the optimist of the group. We obviously <laughs> duly got thrashed. Uh, Man United, we all had as a defeat. We got a point. Arsenal, even you had Arsenal as a defeat. Jordan said a draw. We were beaten, but unlucky. Um, and then we forgot the Wolves game we did. somehow. I think yeah. it might not have been scheduled at that point. Possibly. That might have it might been, have been it, one yeah. of the unscheduled ones. So we'll, we'll blame that. Uh, so at the moment, you and I have both said draw. Jordan isn't here tonight. I reckon he just said a draw. So I don't know what that means. But what, what it does mean is we've actually picked up four points in the four games since we did these predictions. Uh, and our combined predictions after those four games was one point. Well, so, that's not bad, is you it? know, we're up, we're up which, is not, which is not too bad. So if we keep that up and Everton keep getting beaten 5-0, <laughs> you know, we, we might finish I mean, ev- ev- at the start of this... Uh... This podcast, um, Everton had a reasonable goal difference. That is being eaten away here. Mm, let's have a look there on minus seventeen. No, we're still on. We're still much worse. Minus twenty three. Ah, oh, damn. But they're only three points away with with two games in hand. But still, three points away from us, which seems ridiculous. So, yeah, you never know. But their goal difference though is now minus eighteen. I think. No, oh, the app I'm using is not up to speed. So, you know, they're coming closer and closer to us. We just don't score enough goals, do we? <laughs> I'm <laughs> trying to find the positivity, Tom. I know, I know, I know. But yeah, we'll, look, we'll go down. We'll have a good time going down. And uh, we probably won't come straight back. <laughs> some nice old grounds to visit in the championship, though. I mean, uh, well, some, that's uh, it, exactly. Well, you're, I'd love to go most. To. Most of us missed that experience last time, didn't we, of, of mm. getting to games? You know, there's only a kind of handful of games where 2,000 people were let in, so I didn't go to a single game that season. I got so, Cardiff, the one that we lost. There you go, there you go, yeah. <laughs> that was the first one back, wasn't it? And, yeah. and we lost. So, Brilliant. yeah, you know, that that side of things is always fun. It's always more enjoyable in the championship in a way, isn't it? The the winning game. Oh, God, we, we're going down a very gloomy path here. It's not happened yet. <laughs> It hasn't yet. It hasn't yet. Let's come back to Roy Hodgson because there have been a lot of cries for him to be sacked already, which seems premature, premature, I think, because, you know, he's um, only really just got the job. Um, I know he's upset a lot of people, but 
<laughs> on the whole, he has kind of improved the team that, you know, he inherited from Ranieri. Shored things up a little bit more at the back. I know that we are still conceding, but it feels as though we're better in defence. And I don't know. I he's, I don't know what else to say about it, really. That's, that's, that's the bit that I'm happy with. <laughs> No, I agree. I agree. There has been some improvement. I know there's a lot, been a lot of conjecture, hasn't there, on on Twitter about him. And and as I said earlier, you know, you almost feel like it wouldn't make any difference if we, you know, to any party if we sacked him. I still think we're going to go down. I still think he's going to, you know, go back into retirement at the end of the season, regardless and regardless what happens between now and the end of the season. Um, you know. I think that was always the the kind of arrangement. I don't think there was ever any expectation that he would take the team beyond that. Um, but I almost, to be honest with you, at this stage, I feel like you might as well just keep him in there because no one else is going to come in and we're just going to, you know, attract further criticism and ridicule if we do make another change. So, you know, the games are running out very, very quickly. Um what is there to be gained by paying off another manager and bringing in another one who will probably get paid off at the end of the season anyway? Yeah, good point. Good point, When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, right, let's end with some questions then. We've had quite a few in. Um, no Jordan here to answer any of these. So <laughs> it will be yourself and, and, and me, uh, Tom, who are, who are doing our best. 
First of which comes from Easy Mark 2010, and the question is this: 12 months from today, which position in the top 44 do you predict will be, and how many post-Hodgson managers will we have had? <laughs> I saw this. This is a good question. I think we will be 13th in the championship. Okay. So what's that? 33rd. Not great. <laughs> and we will have had 12 months from now, wasn't it, was the question. So that's going to be next gen. So I think we'll have had Hodgson's replacement and then that man's replacement. So two further managers down the line. Oh, my God. You know, it, as you can tell, I'm really optimistic about next season. But it just feels like that's the kind of position we'll be in, doesn't it, Tom? And it really mm. annoys me that I'm agreeing with that because I don't want that to be <laughs> the case. I might go a little bit higher, though. I might say we are in 12th, 7th. Oh, I'm going to say 7th. So not quite inside the playoffs, but still within <laughs> with a shout. So that is 20, 27? 27? Yes, sir. 27 out 27th. of the top 44. Yeah. Um, good question, though. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, next one is from Alan Tarrant. Uh, do you think we'll be able to keep players like Kamara, Pedro and Luza next season to build around them? Or will we cash in on them? I noticed that he hasn't mentioned Saar and Dennis. I'm guessing he's already assuming that uh, those ones are yeah. already out the window. That's um, it. Alan's a, a, a yeah. realist, evidently, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he's not even bothered. Uh, well, what do you think? I I reckon. I think I think Kamara will definitely be here, and yeah. I feel like I feel like Loser still has some proving to do to mm-hmm. the other Premier League sides. Is who I'm talking about. Yeah. Pedro is the questionable one, isn't he? He's the one where yeah. he's young. He's I mean, the, the fact that he's young really plays into Premier League teams like thinking probably because they're like well we could develop him further and you know maybe taking him on even another step um yeah so you know the thing is and this is a question that i think that jordan's asked answered previously and i believe he said that he didn't think that any premier league side um or to be honest syria or, or you know any other of the big leagues would be matching the valuation that we have on him that's exactly it. That's what I was going to say. I reckon, you know, the valuation that the club has on some of these players is a lot higher than realistically teams will want to, will have any interest in, in offering for them. So that may govern it. Equally, you could see a situation where some of these players get parked on loan at Udinese or parked out on loan because they can't get the requisite fee, but someone will take them and get the salary off the books for a year in the hope that they're then back, you know, we then get back to the Premier League immediately but I, th- I think as I've said more than once I think that is quite wishful thinking yeah that's a good point we didn't really take into account how the players might feel about playing in the championship that's it yeah I mean Pedro obviously he's played there with us before um would he want to go back does he feel as though he's he needs to grow now maybe would loser feel as though going from a, a Premier League team down to a championship is is the right move for him I mean, even Kamara, who was playing, you know, Nice. You know, I mean, they're a decent team in the French league, and you know, all of a sudden, in two seasons, he's gone to playing in the Championship. But I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see, I guess, on that one. But I'm hopeful that all three will be there next season. I think it's more realistic than thinking that Sarah or Dennis will be anyway. Definitely. Um, right. Next question from Charles Wright. This one: What do we think Duxbury says at the end of the season after the? <laughs> pathetic letter when we got relegated last time 
lessons learned and all that. <laughs> this is gross incompetence and surely his job is now untenable. Um, new C-suite and new manager in the championship next season. Uh, there'll be a new manager. They'll get that. He'll get that, definitely. I don't think there'll be a new C-suite. I think Duxbury is very sort of, you know, tied up with the Potsos. I don't know what a C-suite is. C-suite, like chief exec, chief information officer, chief technology officer, that chief, chief anything officer. Um, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know about Duxbury. I think, as I say, I think he's, you know, fairly kind of tied up with those guys and, and will probably, probably remain. And so I wouldn't get your hopes off on that front. In terms of the statement, uh, I imagine it'll be more of the same, won't it? They'll probably, you know, we've we've learned from our mistakes, we recognise our errors and, and we're determined to do our best. And and to be honest with you, I don't doubt any of that. Or, or I don't doubt a lot of that. But I think I think supporters at this stage are owed a bit more of an explanation. Um and I think that's the thing, you know, if if sometimes if if football clubs just said this is what we were thinking or this is what we are thinking um, as much as they can give away these sort of these sort of bits of information, these little pearls of wisdom, you might get some more understanding. But by saying nothing and trying to sort of brush it under the carpet, you just invite more kind of scrutiny and, and whatnot than than you might have otherwise. So I hope they've the hope the lesson they've learned is to not put out a you know, a kind of cliche filled empty statement. But I wouldn't I wouldn't hold your breath. I'm trying to think to myself what I really want from a statement. What do I want them to say? What would I, what would I, in an ideal world, what would I want Doxbury to say? I'd want him to say, we got it wrong again. It's laughable. Because they said that they were going to learn from their mistakes and they, they didn't, did they? No, I don't think so. Absolutely. This is a bit like the um, Jeff Doyle, Roy Hodgson, you know, have you got a message for the supporters? I don't really want a message about, you know, oh, we're sorry, we screwed up, we want the best. You know, I want to, I want to understand what the, thought process That's was is, and yes. and what you know what they're going to do to rectify it you know and and to be honest with you as we all know cliche though it is it's true actions speak louder than words and last time we heard from Duxbury at any length was the summer and he said you know we're going to get back to our identity we're not going to sign old players blah 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 we're going to sign the young hungry players and they just went and did the complete opposite yeah. so actually stick to what you say you know talk is cheap I don't want an apology I just want a plan I want you to explain why that's the right plan for us. And then I want you to follow the plan. And I will respect you a lot more if you do that, because at least I'll say, well, look, he's he's stuck to his guns. He's gone for it. I could, and I could understand why he did it because he explained to me why they've gone for that plan. And, you know, I can at least, you know, applaud and say, well, you tried, you know, you tried and I understood what you were doing. So, you know, fair play. But yeah, you're right. You're right. I think that's that's one of the things that annoys us, isn't it? That, that we 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 seem like we're we're walking in the dark here. We don't know what's going on. Mm. Um, uh, we just need some clarity. Good question, Charles. Thank you for that. Um, next one from Watford, Sean. Uh, is there any chance of a next season squad pod at the end of the year, like almost a starting eleven and subs with maybe some sensible transfers, Watford buzz style thrown into? I think there's a definitely a. We'll do that, definitely. Definitely yeah. the chance of that, actually, Watford, Sean. Um, we'll have to remind ourselves of that because that is a great idea. Thank you. Yes, I think... Give it a favourite. I think definitely, yeah. We'll, we'll like that. And, um, yeah, absolutely. Um, 
Nick Lansing, am I wrong in thinking we're poor at passing? No, you're not wrong. Uh, you're not wrong. No, I saw that one as well, actually. Or, or, and I thought, or is Arsenal yeah, so superb right. at passing, we look ragged in comparison? Which, which no, they were good. Both, they were good, but we're just bloody crap, crap aren't we? <laughs> the amount of times I said this um, after into the Bright game, uh, we seem to just under here or club it out of beyond the reach of the player that it was meant for or whatever. Then so often there seems to be so much sort of technical deficiency in the team. It, it sticks out like a sore thumb. So no, Nick, I think you're absolutely right, mate. I think you're nail on the head. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think we were poor and I think they, they were, they were quite good, weren't they, to be honest. I mm. mean, passing is certainly an area that Arsenal, you know, basically for the last 20 years have been pretty good at that, haven't they? I mean, there have been small blips here and there, but their identity is based on that sort of like ability to knock the ball around in quite a nice tiki-taka style. Is that? that... Tiki-taka probably extreme, but yes. Yeah, I mean, that's what they're going for though, isn't it? That definitely was. Yeah, certainly. Yeah, keeping it and, 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 and dictating play. Yeah, certainly they're, not the team they once were, but I, I still think they're, a, you know, they showed yesterday that why there are levels between us and them in how they moved the ball and, and, and what have you. So, yeah, no, they're, they're a decent team, but we are a bad team. And with my, with my England fans hat on, I'm um, I'm really impressed with um, Saka, um, yeah. with uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, <laughs> yeah. with, with Emil Smith-Rowe, and of course with... Um, with the the goalkeeper whose name escapes me, Ramsdale, yeah, yeah, Ramsdale, who also was, um, you know, quite good, even though he annoyed me to bits. So, you know, yeah, the England a, team looks like, um, you know, it's, top, it's promising, isn't it? Top rustler in the Aaron Ramsdale, he's <laughs> absolute. He was on one. Uh, he completed more final third passes than any Watford player yesterday, which I tweeted earlier, which is passes into the final third, not you know passes within the final third. Um, Obviously, one way of looking at that is, well, he's got a good kick on him, so he's pinging them into the final third. Of course, he's completed a lot, but I think it's pretty damning from our point of view that he completed more final third passes than any Watford player. It felt to me um, like like Foster was trying to copy him, but he just couldn't 100%. do it. 100%. There just was one in the first it, half, he? wasn't there, where Ramsdale <laughs> pinged it out to our kind of left-back position on the old sidewinder half-volley. And then the next one Foster did, he did it, and he sort of balls it up, but it just about made it to the player. <laughs> And it was a bit, I tweeted it, there was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a, anything you can do, I can do better kind of feeling between those two, weren't there? Because mm. they're mates. Yeah. Um, so, yes. Less said about that, the better. Okay, next one. Uh, this one from Sam Copson. Uh, would we genuinely want a manager that made a decisions based on fans' opinions? I wanted Loser to stay on, but Roy's quote is spot on. Um, hmm. that's referring obviously to what we talked about earlier. Uh, Hodgson made that decision to, to take off loser and, 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 you know, whether he was right or wrong to do so ultimately, hmm. um, Sam's right here, you know, he's, he's the guy in charge. And if he feels that, um, that it's time to come off and he, he backed it up by explaining why, I don't know if I can agree with that decision, but no, yeah, I mean, you know, it's his call, isn't it? It's his call. Oh, it is. Look, you know, Guy's 74 years old. He's managed over a thousand games. He has done a very good job at a lot of clubs. So I'm not, you know, pretending to know better than him. And to be honest with you, actually, I think sometimes, you know, the things he said after the games have either been kind of taken a little bit out of context or, or intentionally kind of misconstrued 
And he's not, you know, he's not wrong. And and even like the Jeff Doyle thing, to be honest with you, that's one of those kind of very easy questions you ask. In a, you know, you know what it's like, right? Interviewing oh, yeah. a manager after defeat. <laughs> I have you been know. bitten off by so that's many it. managers. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. That's it. Exactly. And, you know, after a heavy defeat like that, especially since his former club, he's going to be absolutely pissed off. So, you know, you have to go in with a few ease, you know, the psyche of interview. And I have interviewed Watford, loads of Watford managers. Um, or loads is a stretch, but I've interviewed Watford managers, and and but one of the the manager I've probably interviewed most in my life is Martin Allen, uh, when he was at Barnet, and I covered them for two or three seasons. And uh, when when they were winning, it was easy. When they lost, you knew you had to go in first one up. You almost had to not give an opinion, not do anything. You know, bowl him a you know a nice slow one, <laughs> just you know, do you know what I mean? Just Kate, serve yes, it yes. up, make I it learned, nice I and easy this slowly as well, yeah. That's it. Make it nice and easy for them, and and feel your way in, and see what it's going to be about. Um, and and you know the question of you know if you've got a message for the supporters is one of those where it's a quite a nice easy one where you can hopefully avoid getting your head bitten off. And you know you know maybe that's a bit kind of you know you should be you know question the kind of journalistic integrity of asking a question like that, and 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 asking questions to avoid getting your head bitten off. But trust me, you won't get anything by, uh, you know, going head to head with these managers either. You will do your kind of uh, your credibility with them, your reputation with them more harm than good mm. in, in the long run if you if you treat them like that. Um, and, and I think, you know, that's why Jeff Doyle would have asked that question. But I can equally I can see it from Roy Hodgson's point of view where he's going, come on. Do you know what I mean? Let's, he didn't say this, obviously, but you know let, we're we're all adults here. We've just been absolutely dicked by essentially our biggest rivals within <laughs> that division. The player that Watford fans hate more than any other, pretty much, has just scored two goals against you, um, and we're going down. So do you yeah. know what I mean? There's not, there's not, there's nothing you can say to that, is there? That's gonna make. There's nothing that Roy Hodgson could have said that's gonna make you go. That will fair play. Everything's all right. Is that you know what I mean? So I, I get it from his his point of view, but I would also say, um, you know, fans kind of they see through that behaviour as well. I think, don't they? That you know, football fans are wise enough to the kind of lashing out at reporters and and trying to deflect attention. And I'm not saying that was a deflection tactic, but inadvertently it becomes a bit of a deflection. Um, uh, doesn't it in its in its in its own right? So, yeah, I can't even remember what the question was at this stage. To be honest, <laughs> right, okay. oh, do you want a manager that would um, that would take supporters' opinions on board? No, of course I don't, because I listen to myself and I talk a lot of crap now. <laughs> so, no, absolutely not. Um, there's nothing we can we can teach Roy Hodgson. Oh, yeah, that's it. And so sometimes I think actually what he says isn't isn't too far wrong. It's just the kind of method deli- delivery um, that he gets wrong. Good question, Sam. Wrong. Um, mm, very good question. Interestingly, what I used to do was uh, I would just, uh, well, what I still do, to be fair, is uh, I always throw the first question out there as, um, so what did you think of the game? That's it. Or, or tell me your thoughts. And I will leave it very, very short so that I can get an idea of how they're feeling at that time. Nice and which, open-ended. Which will then tell me where to go with the second question. But what I yeah. hate from managers is when, uh, and sometimes that you get ones that will that love doing this, and I don't know why, they'll say, well, what did you think? Yeah. Tell me what you think. And you're like, no one cares what I think, mate. I'm just, I'm just a journalist. I'm not going to be 
No one, no one cares. I know, what I think. But, but the same manager would then turn around and go, "Oh, that's I've had this from Martin Allen." He go, "That's what you thought, did you, Tom? That's what you thought, did oh, you? Oh, you yeah, don't need my opinion then." That's oh, for fuck's sake. So you can't win. You cannot yeah. win. And the managers would probably say the same thing that they can't win either. So mm. yeah. Anyway. Yes. Oh right. Okay. Uh, Andrew Reynolds. Lots of calls for Roy to go, but is there an argument to keep him on until the end of the season? no matter how bad it gets, so there will be a larger pool of coaches to choose from. Um, that's one That's one reason for for keeping him on. Uh, but I think the, the bigger reason is the fact that he's, he's not done that bad a job on the whole, even though we don't like him. Mm. No, I agree. And to be honest with you, I'd, uh, you know, I would be using this time. I'm sure the Pozzos, you know, are, are very comfortable in their own skin of knowing how to run a football club. But I would also be, you know, trying to tap into his knowledge and say, right, come on then, you've got a thousand games, you've managed in Denmark, you've managed in Italy, England, you've been an international manager. Um, I think he's managed in Sweden as well, possibly even Norway. Do you know what I mean? He's managed all over the world uh, for a long time. You've been successful, you've won things, et cetera, et cetera. So tell us you know, almost in a kind of consultancy basis, what's wrong? What are we doing wrong? What are we missing? Where can we improve? Um, and so on and so forth. What would you do if you had kind of autonomy here? And and try and get that, you know, a kind of fairly objective opinion on, on some of those things. Because I do I do think we're, you know, we're heading into a fairly major summer for the club one way or another, aren't we? So there are probably few people better placed to to, to take a step back and look at that you know, he's not he's not going to be doing, you know, a, a job protection. Uh, you know, he's not going to be protecting his job. He's going to give an opinion, evidently. Um, so I think, you know, there's there's merit in that as well. Here's a question Definitely. for you, for, for you, Tom. No one's asked this one, but um, I, I'm, I'm curious. If we'd appointed Nigel Pearson instead of Roy Hodgson, mm. do you think you'd be happier about the same or or much more annoyed? Hmm. That is a good question. Um, it's so hard to know, isn't it? Because Nigel Pearson's tenure was so, there was two very clear segments to it, wasn't there? I think taking everything I know, I would probably be about the same because at, at least Roy, I would probably be perfectly happy with Roy Hodgson because at, at least he has kept teams in the Premier League before, whereas Nigel Pearson, you know, hasn't really got a track record of that, has he? Um, Apart from the one that what that one year with Leicester, so yeah, I, I don't I don't think we'd be any better off if we had gone for for Nigel Pearson or you know any, anyone else. To be honest with you, I know there was a lot of kind of negativity around the Hodgson appointment, but I actually thought it was you know in the circumstances a decent appointment. I don't think history is going to look upon me favourably in that regard. But then, as you said, I don't think he's done a terrible job either. I think you know there has been improved areas for improvement and he's almost undone the good work with, you know, some of his kind of comments and, you know, being let down by the players. And, you know, you can't, you can't blame Roy Hodgson for the fact that Tom Cleverley didn't look over his shoulder, give his head a swivel and see that Bakayo Saka was coming and stuff like that. Do you know what yeah. I mean? That's not, that's not Roy Hodgson. Um, so yeah, I think he's taking a bit of a, bit of a hard rap for some stuff that isn't within his control and some stuff that is within his control that's nothing to do with actual football matches. I've just looked ahead and there's three more questions. They're all they're all Roy Hodgson related. So I'll read them yeah. out, but we'll all, all answer them as, as one because they're more or less on the same 
lines here. One's from Kieran Rees and one is from at Way HV1. And the three questions are this. Is there any point in keeping a manager who clearly hates the fans and won't be here next season? Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, well, there's another one from Chris as well, who's uh, at Norden Muta, who says, is Uncle Roy just too warm and cuddly? And we hate Roy. Roy hates us. Why did they give him the job? Why are they letting him keep it? Why on earth would they let him constantly slander the club's fans? It's not like one bloke in the family stand is calling him a slag from behind the dugout. The whole stadium despises him. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, we've kind of already... It's quite strong views there, one I mean, way or another. Some... I like the fact that one of them is saying, is he too warm and cuddly? And the other one's a Vasey saying, he's a prick and he hates us. Well, I mean, that, very... I mean those, those, those ones basically just sum up the fact that there is a big uh, fan divide on him, isn't there, at the minute? Yeah, 100%, 100%. As I say, I don't, I don't think he's... I don't think he's got everything right, obviously, because if he got everything right, then we'd probably have more points on the board at this stage. But I don't think he's got things as wrong as people are making out. And don't get me wrong, the things that I don't agree with, I think most people agree with, you, you know, would say the the kind of negativity uh, against the, the Brightons of this world and what have you, some of the slightly strange decisions on substitutions and, and so on. You know, I think, I think we're all, you know, it's probably as much as you get consensus among a football supporter base, we have consensus on that. But equally, I don't think he, you know, I don't think he hates us or has disdain for us. He might be a bit miffed at us, but I don't think there's, you know, there's that sort of level of disdain. Uh, and I don't think, that, you know, there's, it goes the other way either. I don't think there's that level of disdain from Watford fans. I think he's alienated a chunk, but, you know, you've got to always be careful. You know, I do, a, I, in the old days, I used to read the kind of forums and whatnot. I do, you know, I kind of take my football barometer from Twitter these days, as I always say, and you've got to be very careful with that. I was obviously at the game on Sunday and, you know, pretty much to a man around me. Was it the 9 or 6 or 6? Yeah, 6 6 yeah, yeah. Yeah, I used to post on there. I used to post on the official club forum uh, and WFC forums when I was younger as well and I had more time. But I just think, you know, it's not as binary as, as, as people are making out. He... He's been in this situation before. He knows what he's doing. It's probably a way of management and a kind of a plan and a, a scheme that would, you know, be more likely to bear fruit if he had longer. I think that's the thing. You know, over the course of a season, the way we're going, with a little bit of improvement, you could easily see how we'd pick up enough points to grind out safety. The problem is we haven't got that luxury and 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 that kind of exacerbates things. So uh I've gone a bit off piste here. I I, <laughs> I would the the ultimate question was do we do we make the change, I think, wasn't you That's know, or that was one of the ultimate one of the ultimate questions. Yeah, do we make the change? No, I don't think we do. I think he's doing as about as well as you could in the circumstances because because we all accept at the end of the day the squad is bad and has been built poorly. So, you know, that there's nothing you can do about that between now and May, is there? At the end of the day, so I think I think um, if, I don't know who else is available and is out there that could do better. That's another one of the big questions, isn't it? I mean, even if you did replace him, who would you replace him with? Who currently is a good enough manager that doesn't have a job at this point in the season? Yeah, are, are there? I mean, there must be a couple, but I don't know. I have if absolutely no idea. 
I can't think of many that who you know who's that been want to come in that want to come That's into it. this job as well at this time. I mean, I'm sure the Potsos are thinking about that as well, and they're thinking. Oh, of course, they'll always they've got a rolling right kind now. of list, haven't they, of people? I mean, they always surprise us though with somebody, don't they? Well, that's it. But like Robert Moreno just got sacked, didn't he, by uh, by Granada? So you know, former Spain manager Luis Enrique's assistant he managed Monaco as well. You know, he might be up for a crack at the Premier League, but I don't know the first thing about the style of play, whether he'd be a good fit or anything like that. I'm purely going off the kind of the name and the reputation. I just don't think, you know, I just don't, I just don't see any benefit to changing. We know what Roy Hodgson's about. You know what the plan is. I just think we're going to run out of time. I think it's there's a lot of things that will relegate us, but it's probably ultimately going to be time that will relegate us because we've burned through so many games and and not given ourselves the best chance. Let's finish on a on a, a nice one, although maybe mm. not that optimistic. Um, it's from Nelly nine seven nine, and the question is: Who would be your number one managerial target for next season's championship campaign? So there you go. You've already probably mentioned a couple of names there, but. Hmm. Who would I actually like? I mean, people talk about um, uh, Diego Martinez. I don't really know a lot about him. I have to be perfectly honest. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I do. Who would I actually like I to see? I read a nice piece in The Guardian about him. Who uh, He said he said that he absolutely, absolutely loves English football. And he came over Fair here right. like as like a holiday, I think, to um, to sort of in, take in some of the English football stadiums and, and enjoy a few games. And uh, it seems like, you know, he's already kind of in love with, with, with football in England. Uh, you know, mm. I'd, I'd be very happy for him to come in. I think the more important thing for me is if, if, if you assume that we're going to be relegated and you assume that we're going to lose Saar and Dennis and we're going to have probably a new goalkeeper because Ben Foster will leave and it looks like Maduka Okoye will be the number one and I'm sure there will be other players to leave as well. If you assume those things and probably some other things, what I want more than anything is a manager that's going to come in and and fit the situation. So a manager that's going to be uh, you know, fully cognizant of the fact that those players are going to move and that there probably isn't going to be very much money to spend like there was in the Championship last time. Um, that you know it is probably going to be a bit of a rebuild job. It is probably going to be um, a case of losing anyone that you know at kind of short notice. Good money is made available for that. You might have to you know dip into the academy um, and and plays a, a style of football and a system and and so on that fits the players that remain. And and that might not be easy because that's obviously a lot of moving parts depending on when the manager comes in and so on. But I think that is the thing because, for you know, too often we have made appointments in recent times. You just go, that just doesn't fit with what we've got and what we're trying to do. So, of course, it failed. So that is the biggest thing for me. So, you know, I would I would like them to be someone that is kind of relatively young and progressive and plays a nice style of football as well. You know, I'm not kind of wedded to any more than that, but I think they need to be the right fit for the scenario, for the situation that they're walking into. Um, and, you know, all too often we've got that wrong in recent years. So whoever that is, people can you know, put it back on our wonderful listeners and say, come to me. Who are the Who is the fit for that situation? If that is what we assume the new man's going to be walking into in the summer. Yeah, that'd be nice, actually. Yeah, give, give us a tweet. Who would you like? For your uh, for your manager in the uh, 
championship next season. Or if you want to be optimistic for the Premier League, maybe that's a different person in Dialy. Um, anyway, um, I'm going to end now, Tom, on um, uh, a nicety. Um, because, and, and I purposely didn't talk about this too much earlier on in the pod because I wanted to end on this. How good was Kucha Hernandez's goal? That's true. We never really talked about Kucha's goal, did we? Lovely goal. Um, funny the way he seems to only score decent goals, isn't it? Even the goal against City was quite nice, which I'd forgotten about. Um, beautiful goal. Goal of the season secured. Yeah, uh, definitely. It's in the bag. Yeah, I, I, apart from his goal against Villa, I can't think of many other really good goals anyway, to be honest. It might already have been his. He might, <laughs> it might be a Cucho 1-2 yeah. off the top of my head. But no, lovely goal. And in a season of fairly uh, a high number of miserable moments, that was a genuinely nice moment, a genuinely enjoyable moment to see them hit back so quickly and in such a spectacular way. And to be honest, Cucho... He isn't the finished product. I'm not sure how good he'll ever be, but he's very lovable, isn't he? He always seems to do it with yeah. a smile on his face and just, as I said earlier, just run a hair around like a maniac. Um, so I love him and I hope that he gets a chance to be an important player for us in the championship. If nothing else, I was just so thrilled to see that uh, on Sunday. that It made my day. And, I, it, you know, I didn't enjoy the defeat, but I... Really enjoyed that moment and um, it was wonderful to see. And uh, it's moments like that where you go, why you go to football, isn't it? And, and you know, to see that was, uh, was just lovely, wasn't it? It was just lovely. It certainly was. It certainly was. More of that, please, Mr. Hernandez. Um, and indeed, everyone in a, in a yellow shirt. Hopefully they can pull it off uh, in probably a different colour shirt this Thursday because I imagine there won't be a yellow against Wolves. So, mm. Yeah, hopefully they can continue the reasonable away form uh, on Thursday evening. We'll do our very best to uh, to get a pod out after that one. If not, then you'll next hear from us after Sunday, which is the game against, he says slowly, was getting his phone out. Southampton. Oh, a game that I suppose is along the same kind of line of wolves. I mean, these are, these are two games that we should be challenging in more so than those of the Arsenal's and the Manchester United's, correct? They have to be eminently winnable games if we have any chance of staying up still. You know, these they're good teams. They're better than us. And Southampton were on a fantastic run until they lost to Villa. You know, manager with a clear identity and a clear plan. Um, or managers with a clear identity and a clear plan. But, uh, you know, they're eighth and ninth in the Premier League as it stands. You know, they're not mugs either. So, <laughs> it's not, you know, they're not, they're not givens. But, they are games that I think we have to be targeting getting something out of, yeah. Okay, good stuff. Thank you, Tom, for, for joining me this evening. Um, Jordan, unfortunately, was in a blizzard um, with no internet, but he'll be back hopefully for the next one. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're looking forward to it already with that goal from Cucho in our minds. And um, we'll see you then. It's, uh, goodbye from me. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from Tom.